I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. As I send out a new episode each week, there isn't one part of my soul that isn't filled with gratitude, not only for my loyal listeners that remind me each week with their positive feedback and all the new subscribers and new reviews that give me the encouragement to continue on with this journey and why this podcast lights me up in more ways than I ever knew was possible. The lessons I have learned from each incredible guest are priceless, and each guest leaves an imprint on my heart that will forever transform the person I am becoming. Some people have asked me, where do I find these amazing souls to share their magic? My answer is, when I set an intention to create something like this podcast, that is to create a platform to help encourage others to live their lives with passion and purpose, then God or the universe brings these beautiful souls into my life because I am open and ready to receive them. I think if I never had this podcast, I would probably never have met most of these guests and you as a loyal listener wouldn't have gotten the magical takeaways and tools to transform your life. It's an exchange of energy that is unexplainable and so profound in my experience doing this podcast, which makes each week even more exciting and fun to learn more ways I can better myself as I live my life on this planet. My guest today is Rabbi Iggy. He was introduced to me by my guest in episode 24, Jess Lipman. If you haven't listened to that episode, please do. She is an incredible mindfulness coach. She was a guest on Rabbi Iggy's podcast called Tattoos and Torah. To me, the title of his podcast meant he must be Jewish and have tattoos. <laughs> I didn't understand the connection to a mindfulness messenger like Jess and what it would relate to on a podcast called Tattoos and Torah. So I began to binge most of the episodes and needed to get home to write notes because, oh my gosh, there were too many light bulbs going off and information that was profound and was said in ways I had never heard before. It made me realize how a title called Tattoos and Torah might not have been a podcast I would have listened to, and now it is one of my favorites. Before we get started on this, what I know will be a very magical episode, let me give you just a little background on Rabbi Iggy. Rabbi Iggy is a renowned Talmud teacher, spiritual counselor, artist, and educator. He grew up between Belgium and Israel, as well as the United States in a traditional Jewish Orthodox home. He is an author, speaker, teacher, and contributor on subjects ranging from Talmud, Jewish text, spirituality, addiction, recovery, fatherhood, and LGBTQI issues. Today, he is the founding rabbi and CEO of the Chufa Center, a new long-term Jewish recovery community in Brooklyn, New York. He was formerly the director of spiritual counseling at the Bet Chuva in Los Angeles. You are in for a ride like no other, and you are going to meet this beautiful soul that is definitely doing what he was put on this earth to do. You are going to love his message and his journey. So without further ado, welcome Rabbi Iggy to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for this really lovely introduction. Oh, you're very, welcome. Very Thank you. I just have loved meeting you and loved listening to your podcast and just everything that I've learned and the way you say it and the the depth of everything is just, it is a note taker. It is something that is said in a certain way that I've never heard before. And your gift to this world is just amazing. And, and it, when I say the word magic, it is just, it has brought magic to my life. And it's only been a, you know, a few weeks that I've really learned about you. And I'm so excited to share you with my listeners, Iggy. And I guess what I would love for you to begin, because I think your journey 
to get where you have been, where you've been to get to where you are now has been, it's just amazing. And I, you go from where you want to start, but I love every part of it. So let's get started. Again, thank you. And, and it's funny, I, I don't say thank you in this sort of kind of pro forma way of like, oh, you give me a compliment. Thank you. I reject that notion. I say thank you because as you very well know, and everybody else, right, creating a podcast, writing, putting yourself out there, writing a message is hard work and vulnerable and right, because mm-hmm. you want people to really resonate and you want to help people. So in that sense, I, I often think people say thank you when they feel uncomfortable with a compliment and they really, it's meant to close the conversation. And I'm trying to say the opposite, sort of that it makes me feel seen, it makes me feel heard, it makes me feel that the work we do is important and validated by, by people. And, and so, so in that sense, thank you. I, that makes me feel good. And I thank you for that. Oh, you're um, so welcome. Yeah. So I guess I'm born in Belgium to, uh, like you said, an ultra-Orthodox family, a very religious family. And for the majority of my young life into sort of young adulthood, I spend my time there. I spend my time there with, with some sort of forays into New York. My parents are in Diamonds. So there's different sort of connections to New York when I was young. But, but I would say that the majority of my early life, young adult life, is in yeshiva, is in this sort of cocooned world, this sort of protected world that you can see in, you know, all sorts of different things now, like I said, on, on Netflix, it's like Stiesel and Unorthodox. So similar, not exactly like that, but it's very similar. And I grew up in this family with really thousands of year old traditions of, of studying and learning and, and stopping for Shabbat and high holidays and all that. And one of the major things we study is called the Talmud, which is sort of this sort of codex of, of stories and law, which is very, very important. And anybody who's sort of learned some spiritual work or Jewish, whatever, sort of has heard that word before. But that sort of is what we study. And it's very dense and it's very difficult to understand. And, and for one reason or another, I was given a gift first to sort of really be able to learn it and study it properly. And that saved me many times. So we'll get back to that. And mm-hmm. So I grew up in this environment and for a little while everything's fine, but I start to feel relatively young that I'm not like everybody else, that something's different about me. I don't think like everybody else. I don't see things like everybody else. Even in this Talmudic quest, I ask questions that I'm often told are either too advanced for me to understand the question or where, who told me these questions and I can't possibly have thought about it myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and later on it become like, oh, you have all these questions and it's very interesting, but like it's, you know, it takes a while to get there. And I, I get angry. I get angry. I did, again, a lot of these things are sort of things that sort of I, I, in retrospect, can, can identify, but I get really angry, right? I don't, I don't know what it is. And as I grew up, I engage in behaviors I shouldn't be engaging. I do things I shouldn't be doing. Like what? (laughs) You know, like drinking, like, you know, drugs, like, you know, pushing the envelope, like getting into fights, like Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, outsmart the teacher, like playing pranks, like, you know, later on sex for sure. Like, you know, a lot of different things is sort of that I just shouldn't be doing. Because you felt um, like you weren't living who you were, like, were you just, because you felt like you were lost or you didn't have an identity that you could really, like, subscribe No, I mean, to, it, it's funny because for me it was the opposite. I had a very strong identity, but it didn't match up with either my identity inside or what the identity outside. Like, I knew, right, I felt already so, like, things that I knew, and, but, but it didn't match, right? I had a hmm. split, Right. I looked one way and I felt another or I felt one way and tried to look another. And I was always sort of straddling different parts of my personality, different parts of my world, different parts of what I was thinking. And it was tearing me apart. Mm-hmm. And with all that strangeness and anger. And again, it's important to right, sort of to mention that sort of what we're talking about, sort of the late seventies and the eighties, right? And that sort of that there are no there are no queer, gay role models, right. right? This is the height, right? Or a little, a little later, but like AIDS comes along. So it's like, it's right. all, you know, everybody's going to die. And the truth is that because of this sequestered world of mine, 
that I grew up with, I didn't even know what that was, right? It wasn't a thing, right? They were right. behaviors that people engaged in, right? They were harmful or, or things that, right, God has given you that you have to overcome or things that you didn't talk about. And that's really a lot of the part of that theme. I knew instinctively somehow that these are not things I should be talking about. I knew that if I say something, I would be in peril, something bad would happen, right? But, but there is no... There was no thing like, oh, this is a gay man. Like, I didn't realize that. Did, you t- right? did your parents, were they part of that? Did they help you understand or were you no, open about no. it? Uh, no, I didn't realize it until much, much later. In fact, later when I did open about it, they really didn't talk to me for a while. I mean, they were not huh. happy with this. Hmm. I was not. There. And there's still a large part of my family. They won't. They won't. Wow. So, huh. right. So, no, but... But more importantly, in that sense of like my own strangeness, my own otherness, if you right. will, was very clear from a very young age, relatively. Hmm. The young, um, like in, when you, you just, you knew it, like when you were I, in elementary school, you knew there was something A little different. later, I think a little later, more closer to middle, but yes, but, but I knew it. Something, something was not, something was not like all the other boys. <laughs> right. Right. I have to tell you, like, I guess if there's Jewish listeners that understand this better, right? But, but right in early ages, you separate the boys from the girls, right? Sort of in those society, right? right? In those cultures. Yes. I remember it was a little later and somebody, one of my, my, my friends sort of asked the teacher, the rabbi, say like, well, why do we not pray with the girls? And the teacher says, well, we don't pray with them because we don't want to be distracted and girls distract us. And I remember <laughs> thinking like, distract us? Wow. <laughs> Like, what do you mean? Like with their clothes? Like oh, they're wearing funny. fancy color? Like, wh- what are you? But I, but I didn't ask. Because right? again, oh my something in me was like, I don't know about this. But okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> right? Oh, that's hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So you're finding your way. You're learning that you don't right. fit in. Something's not right. Right. So, you know, I'm angry and, and all that. And as the time progresses, I also, like I said, I sort of engage in behavior and I meet people that I shouldn't be meeting. And I run away in the middle of the night where I am and I go to sort of like clubs or bars or whatever. And I sort of like, I'm a very precocious young man, right? And I think I'm, you know, the coolest shit ever. And in this attempt, and that I think also has bred or it was in me in the first place, this quest for constant exploration, for journeying, for, for running away, I mean, if I'm really honest, but to try and, and see the world somehow differently. Hmm. Later on, that would bring me to Tibet, that would bring me to Rome, that would bring me to Turkey, to Izmir, that would bring me to, you know, South America, that would, be, that would bring me a lot of different places. So you're um, going to all these places in search of something or yeah. you're le- just to learn more or to like, are you working? Sometimes. Not always. Again, I mean, I'm very lucky. I come from a rather established family. So, right. So I didn't have to work for the majority of it. Although there were times in my life that I was completely, I had nothing, you know, and I, I would, at the time I felt the greatest gift. I don't know if they were like people were a little older, right? But like McDonald's used to, I mean, I think still that, but like we had a dollar, the first beginning of the dollar menu, right? So I would just have three burgers a day for $3. That was easy. Oh right? my God. And then there was a period of time a little later where I was, it's a long story, different podcast, but like in Massachusetts, and there was a McDonald's there that would have every other week, they would have a triple cheeseburger for 99 cents. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Right, (laughs) jackpot. Exactly, right? Like burgers and popcorn, that's what you lived on. So you did go through a struggle, but you you were raised with, you had abundance in your life. Yes, yes. And I rejected that abundance when I decided to reject, when I decided to sort of like reject the notions and then sort of be rejected, I guess, by my family. Hmm. So, but all these places, like you said, I learn, I journey, I try to find nuggets of truth. I try to like, I kind of, and this is where a lot of this, like, I, so like if you imagine a little satchel, a little leather satchel, and you just put in it these nuggets of truth right? Mm-hmm. Um, like a catch-all. When you pull it out afterwards, where they all kind of intermate, like it's a little bit like a trail mix, right? <laughs> or like whatever, <laughs> like, you know, right? Um, oh, they're all perfect. kind of like stuck to each other and things. And is this, this, and this, that, and like the flavor, right? So, and that's really the beginning. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of it. And the other thing I realize is that in this quest of our life, uh, right? In this 
climbing up the mountain, right? So like talking mm-hmm. about spiritual and magical metaphors, climbing up the mountain. At the base of the mountain, there's multiple camps and they sometimes don't even see each other because they're on the other side of the mountain and they're far away from each other. But as you climb up, as the mountain gets narrower and narrower, right? The language gets closer, the metaphors get closer, the mm-hmm. distances get closer, you see each other, right? They see you and you go up and up and it gets closer and closer. And that's why I like, right? So they're like Muhammad and Jesus and Buddha and right? And the Talmud and right? And Sufism and Zarathustraism and, and Catholicism. Like a lot of it all of a sudden like, oh, you know, Buddha and Jesus said very similar. Oh, Rabbi Akiva and Buddha said something similar. Oh, like, oh, a Sufism. Like, oh, that's really cool. We all disagree what's at the top of the mountain, right? We all disagree, like, <laughs> right. what is at that absolute top? Fine. Right. But in our quest, the distances get closer. So in this satchel of mine, I started looking at this thing and realizing that a lot of things are a lot more connected and that I have a lot more sovereignty in interpreting it. Hmm. I have a lot more ability to understand and create a world of meaning for myself and that nobody else is going to create it for me. But with my strife and with my anger and with my thing, it was, it was still hard to see for a little while, right? To understand that. So you, you finish your, you're not finishing your quest, but you, you're on this journey, you're collecting your trail mix. Now I'll right. never think of trail mix the same anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And you're learning and you're putting things together. Right. But you still aren't like fully, you're not no. completely fulfilled. You still have anger. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Be- absolutely. And it was a while before that sort of really dissipated in the sense that I, I tried to work on it. But yes, right. Like many of us, just because we're faced with the truth doesn't mean we know it. Right. right. I was just talking to somebody else. Like just because it's true doesn't mean it's useful. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, like, Just because I write notions of real great deepness, right? Or that's not a word, or like deep notions in my notebook doesn't mean I know it, right? It's in my notebook. I feel safe. Okay, great. I wrote it down. I'm not going to forget, right. right? That's like, which, which really is the, the best thing, right? Like I, I often say to my clients, I ask them, what's the opposite of uh, forgetting? And they're like, oh, remembering. It's like, no, writing. That's a journaling. pure, right? Yes. That's a pure egoism. The opposite right. of forgetting is writing. So yeah, so it's in my notebook, right? I'm so smart, it's in my notebook. But like, but you have to then sort of like see and open the damn notebook and see like, what are you going to do with it? Right. So, but yeah, so I'm still trying, I'm still in that journey. I'm, I mean, I'm still, still in this journey, but like, I'm still angry and still struggling. And mostly because I haven't found myself and I, I know there's magic in the world. Mm-hmm but I feel it's skipping over me. Hmm. I know like as a victim mindset. Is that what you mean? Um, no, not so much victim, although that's a good thing. That's a good observation, but not so much victim as much as like, why can't I see it? Hmm. I know it's there. Right. From a spiritual point of view, right. You read the Bible, the very basic, right. sort of thing, right. Right. There's the burning bush. There's the parting of the sea. There is right. The right. Even right. I'm, I'm not right. I'm Jewish, but like even right. So like the fish, of right, miracles of right of Jesus. Right. I mean, there's all these sort of miracles happening all the time to everybody else. Huh. <laughs> what about my miracle? Where's my miracle? Huh. Right. And I, so I'm still lost for a little while. And I, you know, I decide, okay, I'm going to go back. Maybe it's in the learning. So I decide, okay, I'm going to go to rabbinical school. Right. Right. That will be right. I, I know so much. I'm, you know, I can bring it in. <laughs> like nothing kills your spirituality like rabbinical school <laughs> but, like, uh, <laughs> but um right after right and a little bit after i decided okay you know this was a few years i'm done whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna travel again right I'm, i sell everything i have i'm gonna travel again and an old colleague of mine this is may Ish, yeah, and uh, yeah, beginning of May. And then a colleague of mine says, Hey, listen, I'm in charge. I'm opening this school in San Francisco. I need somebody like you who's good with teenagers. I, I was at summer camp, so I was good in teenagers, right? But that's how we know each other. And I need somebody to really help build a curriculum and help build sort of like a, a space for Talmud studies, for Bible study, advanced Bible studies, and Israel studies. I'm in Israel at the time, I'm in Jerusalem at the time, and he, this is in San Francisco. And I said, that sounds amazing, but I'm Belgian. Mm-hmm. I don't have a work visa. 
it's May. You want me to come in August one? Like, you know, like I, that's, I don't think that's very realistic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if I get you a visa, will you come? I said, get me a visa. We can talk. Like, you know, let's see. Right. Cause I'm like, there's no, there's no way, right? There's no way. This is why post 9-11, like there's no way that like within six weeks you get a permanent working oh, visa right. to the US, but like it's, not, it's just not a thing. As it turns out, <laughs> it's a thing. Mm-hmm. And he calls me like, yeah, like three or four weeks later, five weeks later, he's like, I got it. Here's a visa. Here's wow. the thing. There it is. Will you come? And I'm like, okay, let me sit and think about it. And I... I'm thinking about it. Should I, should I not? I really wanted to travel. I don't want to do things. I really want to be working in the school. I had obligations in Israel. I, I was breaking those obligations. It wasn't sort of this clear cut thing, but I don't know. And I'm walking in this mall. I'm walking in Jerusalem in a mall, in a mall called the Malcha Mall. I don't know if it still exists. I think it does. But the <laughs> Malcha Mall in this area of Jerusalem called Malcha. And I'm walking in the mall and the mall has all these pop songs, you know, Britney Spears or whatever it was at the time, you know, Backstreet Boys, whatever it was, like playing mm-hmm. in the background. As, as one does, this sort of kind of music, this sort of things for, for teenagers. Right. It's not a very fancy mall, right? So like it's kind of... <laughs> and I'm walking there with a friend and I'm like, eh, I don't know, I don't know what to do. If I do, I have to, I have to leave in two weeks. If I do, blah, blah, all these things. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go to San Francisco. Like, how do I know if I, who, how do I know if I want to move to San Francisco? I don't know anybody in San Francisco. I've never been to San Francisco, right? Uh, all I've ever been is sort of like the East Coast. I really haven't explored the West Coast. Do I even like the West Coast? Like, I, you know, I was in this sort of like, ah, what, come on, what's going on? And feeling again agitated about it because like, I, it sounds like opportunity, but should I, should I not? And I stopped talking. And in this mall, in Israel, right at the edge of nowhere, <laughs> the song that comes on the speakerphone in the mall is if you go to San Francisco, right? If you go to San Francisco, oh that my one. Gosh. Where it comes in your air. Oh. And I'm like, There's what? your answer. What? Like, it's not even the kind of song they play, right? They don't, like, like I'm saying, like they're playing these pop things. Like, it's not even a thing. Right. And they play the song, and my friend looks at me, and I look at her, and I'm like, uh, and it's freaking me out. It's freaking me out. <laughs> right? Because I'm like, does somebody know? I'm like, my friend, do you know anybody who works here? Like, there huh. must be some, like, am I being punked? Right? It's like, punk doesn't exist yet, but like, am I being punked? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? The song ends, and they go back to like, whatever, Brittany. <laughs> yeah, there it was. Your right. little answer. And I'm standing there and for the first time, not that, but for the first time, I'm like, all right, I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to San Francisco. It feels okay. Hmm. So, so now went, you're starting to see the magic. Now you're, it's your turn because right. now you've opened your eyes because you can be that's at right. that mall and not have had that in your mind or anything and never heard that song. That's right. Now the magic works for me too. <laughs> right mm-hmm. now I heard the magic or chose to hear the magic right or was open to hear the magic right, right? and now you were right? looking up what is your thing you're not looking at your feet that's right I said yes. like, like I said all the time stop looking my clients and my teenage kids right stop looking at your feet and look up yes look up look at the horizon look at the road look at whatever right stop staring at you stop being me 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 right oh I love that I'm gonna use that from now on Absolutely. And in that sense, that was the first moment and it changed my life, of course, but it changed my life not just because of the course of my life, but also because I couldn't say what I said before, like, why is it not working for me? Right. Here I am. So now it's like, okay, where else can I hear it? Mm-hmm. Bring it on. That's right. That's right. You know I'm what ready. world? I'm ready. Yes, I'm ready. You know, my eyes are up. I stopped looking at my feet. Right. Right. Although I have a little thing for shoes. So like the shoes, my feet are really cool. So like, <laughs> like I can know. imagine you. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine your shoes, your closet. Oh, you have no, you have <laughs> no idea. Talk about addiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. So now you're in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm in San Francisco and I teach 
and it's great. You know, I mean, I came there, I didn't know many people, you know, I, I started teaching and I, I, again, I love teenagers and I love teaching. It was great. It was really a place where I could start afresh, truly. It was so different, right? The West is so different. San Francisco is so different. California is so different. I could start afresh. I could reinvent myself. I could really invest in both my own growth, but also in really exploring what it is that I want to say. And that's where it starts. And then for the first time, I'm asked to teach a Talmud class, right? I've been studying Talmud every day for my entire life since I was five-year-old. Okay. It's a practice called the Dafyomi, the daily page, right? And you go through, you study a page a day, two folios a day. It takes about seven years to finish the entire series of the books, the entire, oh, the entire wow. codex. So, but this is part of my life, my, like my personal meditation, my personal prayer every day, the study of it. But just for the first time, I was asked to actually teach it, not just for the teenagers, but there was a temple there that said, would you teach it to adults? Would you teach it as... You keep saying it's really meaningful and it's a way to change your life. Could you teach it to adults? And I'm like, sure. And I start. And it's a huge success. Hmm. And that's when I start realizing that I can actually articulate what I'm thinking in a much clearer, more succinct way and able to take all my own strife, all my own pain, all my own otherness, all my own elements that sort of I thought had plagued me and start teaching it in a much more meaningful way. Oh, I love that. Um, You're getting all that trail mix, putting it all out there. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm starting to share it. I'm starting right. to share this trail mix, right? And this, right? So like, it depends, right? It's like, because we can go into the whole thing of like, what's the perfect trail mix? Is it like gorp? Is this thing? Do you want cranberries? <laughs> Do you not want cranberries? Are you a chocolate person? Like, you know, right? I could go on and on about this. <laughs> uh, I would say, I guess sort of, because it's, I keep making these jokes, but like, one of the things that keeps fascinating is what is the essence of things? Mm-hmm. What is the essence of the right trail mix? What is the essence of a right sandwich? What is the essence of forgiveness? What is the essence of love? Like, how do I find what that is? Mm-hmm. Is always fascinating to me, right? So like, so like, right. So I would say like, but tell me what your trail mix is. Right. Let me understand. What is that? Right. How much sweet, how much salty, how much savory, how much crunchy, how much, right? Like, yes, so. I love that. That's such a great metaphor. I, you know, right. and so you're reaching these people and really diving into them and really like divulging all their, their trail mix. <laughs> That's right. And, and it relates to something I'm sure we'll talk about, but we talked about beforehand, right? Is sort of that, that we all have a mixture of the dark and the light, the sweet and the savory, the sharp, right? And the dull, the sour and, and the sweet, like, right? There's always these sort of things. And we're, each of us is such a different trail mix to sort of use this metaphor, uh, you know, ad nauseum, but like, <laughs> right? That is really important. And exploring that is really important, but we'll get to that. And I think that sort of in that moment, right, I also meet my partner, kids, sort of like my family starts to build. And that I forget, you didn't tell me how you met your partner. We sat next to each other at a coffee shop. And this is so another this, magic we, moment. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Although he had to be convinced. <laughs> yeah, so okay, because remember, we're talking, this is, there's no smartphones. Right. Yet. The iPhone is not invented yet. I mean, right, really, we're like with flip phones and Nokia's and all that. So we sit next to each other in a coffee shop. And I will say this, that neither of us were looking for something serious at the time. It was Thursday. And I, on that end of the weekend, on Sunday, was flying to teach in Rome, I think it was. I was doing something in the Vatican. Some, I was going somewhere. I was teaching somewhere or whatever. And so we just like, oh, you know, let's just, let's just have fun. And that's what we did. As soon as I landed, I think it was in Rome. As soon as I landed in Rome, I was like, that, like, I knew it. I knew it. Something, oh, something clanged to me. I knew it. Huh, he had to be oh. convinced when I came back. Oh, he had to I be love convinced that. Yeah. But, huh, um, so it was instant yeah. for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. And, you know, did you have this vision of what it was going to be like? Or you just felt it that minute? Like you just... When you landed, you're like, oh my gosh, that's it. The minute I landed, I knew it. I had no vision of what it's going to be like. In fact, in fact, even if I did, like, it's nothing like it was supposed to be, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But yes, no, in that moment, 
I knew. Hmm. I like there was. It doesn't happen for everybody, and you know sometimes I feel bad about it because I don't want people to think that if it doesn't happen to them that way, it's not real love for them. But for me, in that moment, I knew that this is the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Was he as deep as you? Like you know, you, you like to talk, you know, to go into spiritual talk, or was he like that with you? Or what was pulling you? What was it about him that you really? No, he's not. He's in fact the opposite of me. Huh. But till this day, he is the smallest person I've ever met. So you really looked up to him in that way. I've always said I'm going to marry the smartest person I met. I have since I was a kid. I didn't think it's going to look like that, but yeah. But he's still the smartest person I've ever met. Hmm. I haven't met anybody who I find more intelligent than oh, him. Oh wow! Huh. So very much respect. Yeah, to the highest. Res- yeah, respect and deep connection. Like just like deep, deep, deep connection, right? When we talk about magic, right? That's the source of it, right? Mm-hmm. It is beyond words. It is beyond feelings. It is a state of existence, right? It is mm-hmm. a, a, for me, in that sense, magic, sort of like a little bit William Blake, right? Says the universe in a grain of sand. That is the macro and the micro. The tiniest infinitesimal particle looks exactly like the largest part of the cosmos, Mm-hmm. And the entire cosmos is in that, in us, in him, in what we have. Right. And so it, it is the, right, it is the source, the engine of everything else. Yes. Did you, do you believe, I know I've read, I know you do, but like just when you, there was a familiar feeling with him, like you've been together before in another life or you know you just have this connection right away because that's what was pulling you to like you just felt this like comfort yeah I mean you know I think more than anything it's I felt seen hmm for the first time for the first time in in that that, way in that sense yes yes in that sense yes I felt seen I felt seen I felt heard I felt reflected in a way that was both familiar and comforting in that sense yes Huh, neat. I love that. Okay. Continue back on your journey. I just, right. had, that was, I hadn't, I didn't know that about you. And I, I knew there was something magical about right. that story and that you got um, two baby kids from. Right. Right. So two baby kids adopted from Vietnam, who really is where my soul resides when it's not in my body. I mean, they are phenomenal. So life is great. Life is awesome. But then for all sorts of different reasons, we decide or we move to LA. He Mm -hmm. needed to be in L.A. for work. There was a lot of pressure for him to come to L.A. for work. And eventually I succumb, (laughs) (laughs) dragging my feet, kicking and screaming is, I think, a more more true statement. (laughs) But, you know, since I want to be more elegant about it, right, I succumb and we go to L.A. And L.A., the first year in L.A. was... Pure misery. Misery. I've Hmm. never been this lonely. I've never been this depressed. I've never been this disenchanted. I've never been this... It was just horrific. Hmm. Which is now it's going to end, right? I love LA more than anything. I think it's the perfect city in the world these days. My spirit animal is Los Angeles. I mean, like, really. Oh, wow. Uh, Right. But but that first year was real, like a, a real existential exercise in loneliness. Huh. I start, at some point I was like, okay, and I just decide I need to find something and I, you know, talk to a couple of friends and then I'm invited. Somebody says like, hey, we heard about this amazing class that you were teaching in San Francisco. Would you teach this class here? One of the places there. And I'm like, sure. That was the only thing I would do. That was one thing, one hour on Monday morning. That's it. That's all you did for the first year. Nothing else. Uh, not even for the first, like the first year I did nothing, nothing. But like towards the end of the year, I started doing that. So all of a sudden I had one thing on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Right. And, and it takes off and it becomes really, really, really successful. It still goes on. We now do it over Zoom, mm-hmm. you know, close to a decade later. And I teach this class. It's giving me a lot more meaning, a lot more joy. And through people that I know, they say like, hey, there's this place in LA called Betruva. It's a treatment facility. 
in a halfway house kind of a thing and a community, you know, there, you know, would you, somebody who's on their board said, would you come and teach this class here? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Why not? I mean, let me see. I go there and there at the meeting, I meet somebody that I met when he was very young, when he was like 15 or 16 years old, I think 16 years old, mm-hmm. who says like, Oh my God. Iggy. And I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? He's like, wow, we haven't, I haven't seen you like, in a while. I was like, yes, you know, I, yeah, here I am. Blah, blah. He said, hey, do you happen to remember the conversation we had that night back in Jerusalem? I was on staff there in Jerusalem and he was a camper. And I said, I do actually. I haven't hmm. thought about it in, I don't know, like whatever, 10, 15 years, like, but more, 15. I'd be like, yeah, of course I do. And he mm-hmm. said, oh, because I think about this all the time. Wow. All the time. Huh. Everything you said, everything you predicted, everything you told me, you were right about wow. everything. My struggles, what I needed to do, what I should have done. What I, like you told me to do, go right. I went left and I should have gone right. And you were right. And I think about this all the time. Hmm. And it's so like, oh my God, here you are. Wow. And it was one of those moments that I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, really humbled by it and really sort of like interested and sort of intrigued. And, and then he said, hey, would you like to do some spiritual counseling here? He was working at Betshuva. And I said, what's that? I don't know what that is. Like, well, those conversations just with adults. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, sure. Again, right. I mean, right. That's like I had one job. Like, right. you know, one job, one job. Like, sure, why not? You can add one more day to your calendar. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, you know, I... They're like, well, what are you free? Like, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but you really remembered your conversation with him 15 years oh, yeah. ago? Oh, huh. yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my great blessings is I got a good memory. And I remember mm-hmm. that. It was a very dramatic conversation. It was a very dramatic evening. I, I, yeah, I remember that fully. Oh, I love that. And I started working with people. And that is when all, not all of a sudden, but that is when the moment where the real magic happens. And I'm like this is the most significant work I will ever do in my entire life Mm. because I got to work with people who were broken, people who were struggling, people who had nothing, people who really wanted more meaning in their life. They wanted recovery. They wanted to change their life. They wanted to be better, to feel better. They wanted to have conversation about things that really interested them. They knew this of they've hit rock bottom. So we're talking about right people in recovery, people coming to treatment, the treatment facility, but also people who are released from prison after long terms, lifers, people prison, right? Wow. And I discovered my gift, which is that when I look in your eyes, I get to see your soul. Hmm. I get to see who you are. I get to see who you could be. And I get a clear vision of what is the path that we need to get there. And, and you just realize that then? Yeah. That was the moment that I'm like, this is my gift. This is my wow. work. And again, like I said, like before, all of a sudden, all my pain, all my strife, all my anger, all my misbehavior, all my recklessness, all my rebelliousness, but also all my love, all my, my charity, all my altruism, all the soul that I have been given, right, in this existence... Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I could take all of that and have meaningful conversations with people when they want to talk about the real things that interest them. Who I am, what should I be, why am I in this world, what's my task, why is this pain happening to me, does it have meaning, how do I make meaning out of it, how do I change my life, how do I feel better, what do I need to do, is there a God You know, what is my identity? All the things that we've tabooed, right? All the things that really matter to us, sex, money, power, family, health, right? The things that you have nobody to talk to. Because when people say like, how are you? They say like, yeah, I'm okay. Everything. Oh, I'm good. How's it going? The things that we don't talk about. I feel bad about this. I feel problematic about this. This hurts me. This, I love this. I'm, I'm, I'm in love with this, but I want to do that, but I can't do that. But what do people say? All these questions, all these things that people have nobody to talk to. So you're asking them the questions and they're answering you. 
we're asking questions of each other, right? It's an encounter, right? It's not just, we talked about the mountain, right? So I'll deepen that metaphor, right? I've said to you before, right? Sort of that mm-hmm. there are different ways to be a guide, right? There's different ways to go on the journey. Most guides go in front and you follow them, right? You go right. in front of them. I'm not really interested in that. <laughs> because then you follow my path. Right. Oh, I don't know, that. right? I'm unique as you are, right? We have our own uniqueness. I'm not going to that. So I prefer, right, the metaphor I use, but it's more than just the metaphor, is that I am a spiritual Sherpa, mm-hmm. right? For those people who don't know, right, the Sherpa is a tribe that lives at the bottom of Mount Everest. It is not synonymous with like hiring a Sherpa. You hire a Sherpa. The Sherpa works behind you. The Sherpa, right, like walks behind you with your stuff. He carries your stuff with you up the journey. It's your journey. It's you climb up the mountain. It's not theirs. They've lived there for a thousand years. Like they've gone up the mountain. Like they're like, I don't know what you guys want with this Everest thing. But sure, <laughs> go ahead. Why not? Right. Right. When you turn back and you say, hey, you know, where should I stop? Should we stop here? Should we do that? I need a frying pan. Hey, he will hand you the frying pan. He will tell you what it is, right? He will help you with your journey. I will help you with your journey, but we have to craft the journey for you, not mm-hmm. for me, Right. I will tell you what you need to do in terms of your exercise to understand where your journey goes, but I'm not going to tell you what to do between A, B, and C. And for a lot of people, people in recovery, people who want, who have lost everything, people who have had anything, people who are afraid, people who have been broken, people who are homeless, all of a sudden there's a person who primarily conveys one message as we go on this journey is that is that you matter. Hmm. Your life matters. Your existence matters. Of all the different things that have to happen, of all the different decisions that your ancestors had to do, the universe had to create, to create you, this unique phenomenon that will never repeat itself. You have an intrinsic value just by being born. How do we honor that? How do I get to see you? What is the language of your passion? What is the language of your soul? What is your journey? What is your path? Hmm. I'm here with you. I don't want you to fit in, like, right, for us at the Truva Center, right, which is the organization I'm, I'm building in New York. I don't need you to fit in. Here you belong. Hmm. So you're giving, you know, and you say the Sherpa's behind and giving the, the tools, the, you know, what tools are, you're handing them the yeah. frying pans yeah. or whatever they need. So you're giving them tools along, along their climb. Right, right. What in, are in the, one, right. Yes, tell me what those no, so And one of those are. tools is a candle or a flashlight to show you the path. You're not alone. I'm with you. You belong with me. So they connect with you. Yeah. They feel trust. They feel you safe. Build trust, right. Right. I've seen it all. <laughs> that is why right? people get to me usually when they've tried other things and doesn't work, right? And if somebody says like, you should talk to Rabbi Iggy. They're like, Rabbi? Like, Trust me, talk to you about you, right? And that's where sort of like, right, the tattoos and Torah also comes in, right? So like that I've, I've experienced a lot of things in my life, but also like, I'm not afraid of your brokenness. Mm-hmm. I've worked with murderers. I've worked with thieves, with con men, with pimps, with drug dealers, with drug abusers, with like, right? You name it. I'm not afraid. The humanity comes through. Mm-hmm. Always. What we need is somebody to say, let's look at it together. Let's find ways to make your life better. Let's find ways to make you more content with what you have or change. Right. But when they come to you at this stage of their life, they're really open and just, you know, des- not desperate, but ready and open. They're not, it's not like you're struggling to get them to open uh, some, trust you. Some are ready. Most are not. Okay. Like the ones that are... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, because we look, a lot of us are struggling, but addiction, like many other things, starts as a solution to a problem. The addiction always starts as a solution to a problem. It's the drink before the, bring before the, the party just to loosen things up, not to feel awkward. It's, we're talking about that party, right? That's sort of is, is done for you because you get a great promotion and you feel awkward. You're going to drink, right? Or you're going to use drugs or whatever to just take that edge off, right? To be like, mm-hmm. oh, jolly like everybody else, right? It's the drugs that... And I talk about it often. I'll never remember this young woman who comes to my office many years ago, who she was highly traumatized, right? Abused very young and really horrible story. And she described the first time she tried heroin. And she says, it was amazing. For the first time in my life, 
I felt normal. The PTSD huh. here was gone. I felt like, like everybody else. I felt strong. I felt empowered. I was like, this is great. I'm euphoric. There's no pain. I was like, wow. this is amazing. And she says, and then somebody said like, oh, no, don't do what I'm like. So you ask me to feel like shit, right? Over feeling great. Of course I'm going to go for the feeling great. Right. And then it's oh until gosh. it starts becoming a problem. But almost all addiction starts as a solution. Huh. That's such a, di- oh, that's a whole different way of looking at it. Yeah. In my mind. Wow. And that's what the work we do, right? Two things. One, I believe that addiction is a spiritual malady. It's that hole in your soul that you try and fill with something. Mm-hmm. Right? It starts very young and we fill it with, with all sorts of different things and it can work for a little while. Right? You're feeling low, right? you're feeling that, you go on the internet or whatever, you go to the store, you put a nice dress, you feel great, you go home, like, right, you feel amazing, right? Or you go and you have a great meal and like, oh my God, you talk about it, right? You blog about it, right? Like, it's, it's great, mm-hmm. right? So it works for a while until it becomes empty again. And, and then what? chase the high more and more and more and more, right? More alcohol, more things, right? More things, right? You, it's a really stressful day. You have a glass of wine. You're like, right, that's mellows out. So it's not a solution until it becomes a problem. And for a lot of people, it becomes a problem relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. If you look at what's happening right now in the world, the opioid addiction, right? People are feeling pain. Right. And they're taking the opioids to not feel that pain because it works. You don't. You also get numb to yourself and you're addicted, right? And so you're not dealing with what's with your own awkwardness and everything. But yes, that's how it starts. What is going on during this, like the whole, in your mind, this last six months? Is it really increased? Have you had a lot more? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And not just a lot more people, like the numbers, let's say here in Long Island, unfortunately, and I'm sure that's true everywhere, but some counties in Long Island are seeing 50% increase in, in uh, fatal overdoses in the last three months because of isolation and COVID and loneliness. It's a huge yeah. issue. Huge. Yeah. But it can be solved. And it can be solved by learning for Johan Hari, right? The opposite of addiction is not sobriety or recovery that, for that matter. The opposite of addiction is connection. Mm-hmm. When we feel we matter, when we feel we have value, when we feel that our life has value, when we don't want to self-toxify, right? And in that sense, right, the work that we do, the work that I do, right, is around this because like one of my mentors, Harriet, says, right, you're either in recovery or you're in denial, <laughs> right. right? Or the softer way to say this, and, and we say this all the time, which, which is you don't have to be an addict to be in recovery. Recovery is for everybody. Right. Our ability to have these conversations, our ability to connect, our ability to find a system that works for us, to have a spiritual counsel, to have spiritual practices, to find the magic, right? Because the magic is in you. Right. To get, that, get them to see their magic. Right. right. Like that's the whole goal right. of that. That's right. So one of the, right, in LA, right, the magic hour is that, right, that time between sunset and darkness, right? That when our light is beautifully golden, yes. right? And like, right, it's very short for especially for people in field ministry, the magic hour, right? Mm-hmm. The reason it's the magic hour because it's got a balance of light and dark because it has a preciousness to it. And the preciousness needs to be felt in every day's life for us. Right? We said before, part of the tattoos and Torah is this sort of non-binary way to look at the world. It's not an either or it ever. It's always a both and. Yes, I and, love that. Right? And Those that, are note takers. Yeah. <laughs> and that magic hour of each individual, right? That's where the magic resides in the both and. In the right, like I said, right, that I'm a spiritual leader, I, you know, I write theology, I, you know, podcast, the whole thing, right? You can sort of, you know, oh my God, Iggy, inspiring, that's great, you know? I'm slightly making fun of myself, right? Sort of like, right? (laughs) But I'm also, right, like, I love the real house of New York, right? I love fashion, right? I eat too much, right? Like, right, there's these light and dark moments in each of us. And that's where the magic happens. And I think when we deny it, which most people do, we lose the magic. And I mm-hmm. think part of me and part of what I like about your podcast and, and, and all that is that like to bring back the magic, you have to bring back the both and the mm. non-binary, the dark and the light, right? The shadow work and the light work. And that's really what really works for most people when they get to be themselves. 
when they get to say like, yes, there's my high and there's my low. Right. There's where I do the best and there's things that I don't and the resentments that I have. And then I, you know, do these things and create a space for them. It doesn't mean to give excuses for people to bad behavior, but it lets you understand what it is that it's given you. Right. And mm-hmm. that, that way, what we call living tshuva, right? Living in this balance of hitting the mark and missing the mark. Right? Tshuva in Hebrew means repentance, it means return, and it means answer, right? The repentance is for us to look at how we look at our lives and seeing, right? Asking ourselves three major big questions, and there's a way for us to do them. There's a tool that we do in our Tshuva group on Thursdays, which is open to people. I invite people to sort of join us, which is truth, remorse, and responsibility. Right? In truth, ask yourself, what did you do that you missed the mark? What did you do now well? And what was the justifications for it? You told yourself something when you did something, right? You know that you, didn't, you weren't supposed to eat that burger or get that dress or, right? or, or put that needle in your arm or get that drink, whatever it is. But you told yourself something. I deserve it. I'll, I'll walk back from work. I'll run after, right? I didn't have time to cook, right? Like I need to nourish myself. I have a big night coming up, whatever it is. Right. Right. It's just a drink of wine just so I don't feel so awkward. Yeah, right. Then you have to ask who is affected and how they're affected by your, by your actions. Because sometimes your actions are not quite as innocuous, right? Some of your actions are like, I snapped at somebody or I got angry or I, or I used right? Who is affected and how are they affected by your actions? Mm-hmm. And then what have you learned about yourself? That's it. And what is your responsibility? What is your plan of action? And to do the other way around. What did you do well this week? Which is for a lot of people is a lot harder to do, by the way. Hmm. What did you do well this week? Right? We can find faults in ourselves from here to the cows come home, but how did you... Why do you think that is? Why do you think people can see so much faults versus the good... I think because we're trained to. I think because the Western world, we're trained to find the fault, find the, the ugliness, self-lash, right? To not have self-worth, mm-hmm. right? We've pathologized the human condition, right? You're too happy, there's a pill for that. You're too sad, there's a pill for that. You're too, I mean, right, we stopped doing these things, but we compare each person, each child, each brain to the normal. What is normal? Right. Who has a well, normal brain? Don't you think social media and all that, like, you know, dealing with our children these days and all that stuff and all the comparing and uh, the pressure. Yeah. And to think what those little brains are going through that we never had as growing up, but we still uh, went right. through it to a degree, but just in That's a different right. way. Right. That's right. That's right. No, you're right. It's, it's worse, but it's not new. Right. Both you and I, right, had the same. Who am I going to sit with at lunch? Do they like me? This hair, do they like these glasses? Blah, blah, blah. They're going to make fun of me. Like, I don't worth, like nobody likes me, right? So like all these things, mm-hmm. or vice versa, if you're popular, somebody's going to find out that I'm horrible, right? like all these things, right? So like, it's not new. Right. It's just it's accentuated to a point where it's almost unavoidable, mm-hmm. right? And again, but when we are able to say, okay, what did you do wrong? What did you do well? we can start again bringing back the non-binary. We can start bringing back the light and the dark. We can really look at ourselves and saying that the work that we do to better ourselves is that we matter and bring back the magic because then you can change, mm-hmm. right? Bibbidi bopidi boop, right? Like you, you, <laughs> yes. you, you right? You to go can there. Change, right? Yes. right? You can change, right? right? That's the essence of magic, right? Changing. Mm-hmm. Right? The ability and that's to, why we're here too, right? right? We need to change and grow. If not, right. we're just going to die and decay. <laughs> that's for sure. But can we, can we honor ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Each of us has a task, even if somebody else is better suited for it. But we have a task. And it is in direct relation to who we are and what we can do and what we can bring. Mm-hmm. And the gifts that we do. So yes, not everybody's going to be Oprah and not everybody's going to be like homeless for the rest of their life. There's a lot of in between. But when we are able to examine our life and lead an examined life, when we're able to have meaning that comes out of connection, of community, of each other, Mm -hmm. that's when we get to feel the best. 
and to be the best of ourselves. Yes, so much. As a father of two teenagers, what do you instill and what's the most important thing? What are some of the most important things that you as a father have really tried to instill in them? Number one is compassion. Number one, compassion. Feel for the universe, feel for the world, feel for your community, feel for yourself. What is the compassion? Be kind and compassionate is number one in our family. Mm-hmm. Number two is grow. <laughs> Be curious. Learn. Try. Don't just sit there. <laughs> right. Fail, right? <laughs> right? Learn yes, how exactly. to fail. Fa- absolutely. Absolutely. Fail, whatever. But like learn something, mm-hmm. you know? And the third is communicate. Say something. Right? Be by taking your own place. Right? Mm-hmm. Be and, yourself. And, Be yeah. who you are. Be who and, you and, are. And express it, right? Don't just feel right. that it's like, right? So like, right, in that sense, right? And those three, and there's a few more, but right? like those three sort of really create a robust sense of self if you look at it properly, right? Mm-hmm. Right? You are loved. You're cared for. You'll fail. If you're going to fail forward, if you're going to fail. Don't just like, right? If you fail and you haven't learned from your failure, then the failure is for naught. Right. Like, I don't care that you fail, right? It, it, it's cool, right? For both our kids, we kept saying, like, all we ask you is to do your best. I truly do not care about your grades, but I want you to be able to be honestly saying that you've tried your best. Right. We do the same if you, thing. Right. And if you fail, let's learn from it. What went, quote unquote, wrong? And if you succeeded, same thing, right? Don't just like glide on it. Right. Right. Um, do you teach them things to do? Do you teach them journaling, gratitude, oh, yeah. any kind of rituals that you do as a family in the morning? Uh, yeah. So again, not a teenager sort of thing, but yes, there's right. There's meditation and prayer and gratitude and gratitude in, in a deep way of like, what is it that you're gaining from it? That is sort of like, right. Gratitude is an expression of, of a self that is not just, being, like I said at the beginning, saying thank you for a compliment or thank you for something I have, but how does that affect you? Right. What how does, does that it make you feel? You? Yes. Right. Right. When I teach my girls the gratitude, it's not, I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my school. It's the things that made you feel. What did they right. make you feel like? And they have to describe their feeling. Because right. if they get to that feeling, that's when your whole energy shifts. Right, exactly. It's like a fruit tree. There's low-hanging fruit, which is yes, right? The food, the whatever, the house, the roof on your head. But yes, but the deeper elements, the, the higher reaching fruit is how does it make you feel? And for me, again, is then what are you going to do with that feeling? Right. Right? It's going to pass. Feelings change all the time. Feelings are not reality, right? Feelings right. are not and permanent. Are not always true, right? They're not right. permanent. They move like happiness, Right. This Western people sort of like quest to find happiness. I'm like, happiness is not an asset. Spirituality right. is not an asset. I'm not spiritual. I have to work on my spirituality. My spirituality is a discipline. There are days that I don't have it and I need to work on it, right? It's not in my suitcase, right? Right. Much like gratitude or, or happiness. But in that sense, yes, how are you going to make sure that you stay true to those moments, those true to those feelings, those feelings of gratitude? Yeah, totally. It's not, I always listen to Abraham Hicks and she always says, um, it's not like earning a college degree, you know, it's constant and, you know, to teach children to grow and learn every day and to be alive in that space and to be eager to find something new every day. And it's always, you know, just learn one new thing. I don't, you know, just learn one new thing. It's like, it kind of opens their eyes to, oh, there's more in this world than just right. what this life that I'm living. And as a teenager, you know, getting ready to fly into this world, you know, and like, look at what there's so much out there and look at your life that you can create. You can have, be, do, or have anything. Right. You know, and, and still it's, that. It's right. Absolutely. And even more so for adults in many, many ways, right? Mm-hmm. right? I think teenagers have a certain amount of magic that still has not depleted from them, right? So like yes. they believe in the impossible in ways that sort of adults don't sometimes. But, but I think that for adults, and this is where I come in, right? For adults who feel that they've lost everything, they've lost the magic, right? They don't have any more potential. Right. Right? Because right, magic at the end is also about potentiality, mm-hmm. right? 
when they felt that they've lost their potential to really be able to reignite that, to find that small seed within us that can reignite it to more potentiality, more magic, more that space where when you say to yourself, nothing good will happen to me or this can't happen to me, right? That's when we have to shift that point of view and be like, no, it can. And I'm going to show you how. Right. And to change your language, right? Right. To change your language, to change your thoughts, to, again, and to have somebody who who can help you, who can connect with you, Mm -hmm. right? We can't do anything alone. There's a great line in Talmud, one of my favorites about this guy, and he he helps somebody else and then he needs the same help. And the Talmud asks in the same help, like, why didn't he do it himself, right? He needed some, he comes to this guy and he tries to help him. And he says, before I can help you, basically like, are these afflictions dear to you? Hmm. And the guy says, neither them nor their reward. He says, okay, now I can help you, right? Oh, you have yes. to acknowledge that your, that your afflictions do give you something, right? right? One of the addictions that people talk about that I talk about is addiction to low grade misery, Mm-hmm. All right, the people who just don't want to be helped, people right. who find fault in everything, mm. people right, people who complain about everything, right? That's an addiction. It gives you something, right? Right. So he says, and then something happens to him, and the other guy comes in and says the same thing. These afflictions dear to you. He says, neither them nor their reward. And the Talmud, right, which is this sort of overreaching voice, is this is like, well, he already knew. Why would he need the other guy to ask him the same question? He knew the question to ask. And one of the most beautiful lines in Talmud, it says, a captive cannot free himself from his prison. Oh, so good. Yeah, see? I love that so much. Okay, Iggy, we're coming to an hour now. Yes. <laughs> and like I told you, we could make part two, part three. Yes. Hey, with great pleasure. Oh my gosh, you're just such a gift. Before we end, I, you know, there's so much more that we could Bye. go on to. What would be... I mean, there's been so many noteworthy little wisdom mm-hmm. that you have brought to this hour. What would be something before that I, if I've missed it or that's really important that we can share before we end this beautiful conversation? I think primarily is that whoever hears this or knows of it, like who, like, again, tshuva means repent but also return and answer. There's always a way to go back. There's always a way to go back to that space where you are the best version of yourself. There's always a place to go back to. In many ways, from a spiritual point of view, God, God of our understanding, knew that we are going to mess up. So he created Truva in our world so that you know your way back. So here's a path to wake back. Mm-hmm. And no matter where we are in life, there is a way to make it better. And I think that that along with the message that each person matters and to really start with just changing our point of view from going from an either or to a both and, people can really get on the path to feel much better about themselves and the world that they can create around themselves. Yeah, I love that. Because it does, it's so true. We are both, it's just, it puts it in this, I'm okay. I'm normal. I'm all this. I'm this and I'm that. That's right. You're both, you're both and all of us. And when we're both and, we can stop, we can fight the shame and the guilt we feel about things that we want to hide. Right. It's okay. It's beautiful. Yes. It's okay. It's all, it's it's all good. You're okay. And if you need more help, come, come to us, right? Come to the Truva Center. Come find us, right? I'll show you how it's okay. Yeah, I love that. You know, you are like definitely put here to do what you do. It's beautiful. Could you tell us your, okay, you're, you're, you're on Facebook? Where can uh, yes, people find we, are, we are on all the platforms. So yeah, so Tattoos and Torah, our podcast, of course, is on Apple and Spotify and everything else. Uh, our website has everything that sort of we're, we're doing, which is Truva Center, T-S-H-U-V-A-H, Center, only one word, dot org. Also, we are on Instagram, Truva Center. If you're seeking me specifically, my Instagram is not your rabbi, just not your rabbi, because, you know, and my Twitter is I-G-A-E-L-G-M. 
LGM. So any one of these ways you can find us. And like I said, we have groups. We have free groups throughout the week. The stuff we're doing, this Chuva group, which is really free for everybody. And we're, there are two versions of them. One is on Thursday afternoons for everybody. And it's with me and my staff and people who come in. So if people want to join, they can. It's a tool to do it. It's not just me talking. You have to do the work. But there's a lot of kind of like spot coaching for me and others. And the other one for people who are LGBT, people who are queer, LGBTQI, we're starting a group at the end of the month. That's also on our website for Chuva Group for LGBTQI plus people. So those are the major two things. And yeah, we're offering a, a whole bunch of groups and a whole bunch of things. We're, you know, really invested in trying making people have more tools to have a life of meaning and to connect. I, I guess the last thing I would say that there's so much harshness and hate in this world. There's so mm-hmm. much bigotry. There's so much divisiveness in this world that I have to, I'll say this this way, I am pledged by my life to make sure that I bring more compassion and more togetherness and more understanding to this world. And I think we all need that. Oh my gosh. You know, you think of what your mission is here, the legacy you're leaving for your family, the everyone that lives that you touch, I, you know, to think of, you know, serving and giving and what you're getting from your life and what you do. I mean, there's no, you can't put any price, any about nothing on that, but just what a fulfilling life you have. Right. And what you do as well, right? Bringing the message of people, bringing the magic to people, bringing people, to conversations that perhaps they didn't have a chance to before. I mean, that's, that's an enormous grift, an enormous resource for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, you know I, at the beginning of this in my introduction where I said, you know, every guest puts something in my heart and you have definitely done that. Thank you. Same and here. I will really look forward to this episode and listen to it over and over. And the next time in, I'm in New York, I feel like you're my friend. So I will be- A hundred percent. Coffee's on me. <laughs> I will be meeting you at the coffee shop. That would be nice. Post-COVID, a big hug is in order, 100%. For sure. It's been so fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Iggy. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already... Please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget, always look for the magic.